When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of season four of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, as I just broke the news to everybody, it is, in fact, our season finale, but not to worry. Season five is kicking off next week. And Taylor, what do you think? Should we should we let the people know right now who our big guest is for our season premiere episode, or do we want to maybe make them sweat it a little bit and tell them at the end of the episode? Let's make them sweat it. Make sure they actually listen. Or like at least that. skip through. <laughs> Good call. Good call. All right. Well, Just you wait, folks. By the end of this episode, you will know we got a very special guest coming on Monday's episode who will be making his straight-up Sabres debut. We're very, very excited. This is somebody that Taylor and I have wanted to have on the pod for quite a bit. So stick around, listen through to this episode, and you will find out by the end who that very special guest is. But in the meantime, Taylor, we got two players that we want to really talk about to start off this season finale episode. And those two players are... 2023 first round pick Zach Benson and our starting goalie this year, Devin Levi. Both of these guys have had very impressive starts to training camp and to the preseason for that matter. Benson so much so that people are starting to wonder if he's going to actually potentially make the opening night roster this year, which is something that I think was not on anybody's radar. Levi for his sake, he has had a phenomenal start to this very, very young NHL 2023-2024 season. Of course, we talked about last episode, he had a very impressive showing at the Blue and Gold scrimmage at home to kick things off for the preseason here. But his first preseason action that he got, two periods, 19 saves, zero goals allowed. So more of the same from Levi here, just looking very, very impressive so far. But let's start off with Benson Taylor. I mean, he is seemingly fitting right in with that top line of Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner. Now, should he make the team? I don't necessarily think that he should start there per se. However, I think he's absolutely pushing and making a case to be on the opening night roster. You know, Benson really plays up to the talent that he's playing with. And so it makes sense that a player who is as skilled as him, who sees the game as well as he does, who has the hockey sense that he does is able to fit in so well with two high end players like Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner. And that ultimately could prove really valuable for the middle six of this team here. But I know it's early. We still got some time left. We still have a handful of preseason games to go before this decision is going to ultimately end up being made. And we end up getting final rosters here, but what are your thoughts on Benson so far? And do you think that not only do you think that he has a realistic chance of making the opening night roster, but do you think he should? Well, I think now he has a realistic chance, especially given two things. The fact that he can have the nine-game tryout, the classic juniors tryout, you might call that, and that Jack Quinn's hurt. So there's no real reason to not give him that tryout. That's a little different than making the team, and I think from there you would – I think basically it would be very hard for him to make the team, quote-unquote, out of camp, make the team as like 
we're sure you're part of it. This isn't just a tryout. And also, uh, it would be hard for me to think that that's a good idea just because there's no real reason at this point, the way he's playing to not try him out. If he had had looked a little overwhelmed, I'd figure, oh, he's 18. He's young, you know, just send him back. Now it just seems like given it's been two and a half games, we're in recording in the middle of the Leafs game. It now it seems like, well, given these two and a half games, it's like, why not? Why not give him a shot? Why not use that nine game sample? Like, do you need to see more from Victor Olofsson or something like that? So, yeah, I think that that's basically it. And it's, it kind of goes to kind of the reason we were excited when they drafted him in the first place. Like, people seem to think this guy should be a top 10 pick. And sometimes top 10 picks, even when they're not top three, do make the team out of camp. And also, frankly, it's a good draft. So I, I think being considered what should have been a top 10 pick, even though he went 13th, is a an extra accomplishment given all of that. Now, what happens after nine games? See how he looks in the NHL regular season action, I guess. that That's kind of a wait and see, in my opinion. Well, that's very fair. And so I kind of alluded to it in my intro there, but I think the big question is going to be, should Benson get this nine game, nine game trial? Where does he exactly fit in to the lineup? So there's a lot of things to take into consideration here. Of course, you can look at the fact that he's playing so well with Tage and with Skinner and say, well, if it's working there, why would you want to break that up? You know, but at the same time, you have to consider the fact that that's going to affect ice time for namely Alex Tuck. You know, Tuck obviously is a mainstay on this team. He is a key cog to this team here. And now while you can say, well, then that gives you the flexibility to play him down the lineup, I think it comes back to just in general, the the deployment from that matter. I think Tuck absolutely with how good he is at five on five should be getting uh, that first, those first line minutes. He, he earned as much last year. I think what is particularly interesting is how Benson can put, maybe fit in on either the second or third line. You know, on the second line, you're looking at Dylan Cousins and J.J. Paterka right now, and you could say, well, Cousins, you know, he's going to be the one that's going to be driving that line. He's going to be able to, to carry that line. They just gave him the contract extension. They believe in the player. He showed how effective he could be last season, and you're hoping that he's just going to continue to take the steps that we saw him take last year and round out the rest of his game. Benson, with being such a highly skilled offensive player playing on a line with Cousins and Paterka, you know, you have to wonder then, like, well, how much of a, a drop-off is there going to be from what you were getting out of Jack Quinn there? Obviously, they're two different kinds of players. Quinn has the benefit of having an entire extra season of pro hockey, or, well, two for that matter. But at the very least, at the NHL level, he has a, a whole season under his belt. And so, still, with how skilled Benson is, it kind of feels like that would potentially be a good fit. I think the other option then would be the third line or the second line that we had been talking about would be a Paterka Quinn or excuse me, a Paterka cousins and middle stat second line. And then you look at a third line with some sort of mix of maybe you're looking at Peyton Krebs centering Zach Benson and a Greenway, for example, or maybe a, a Victor Olofsson and maybe Victor Olofsson and Greenway are, are rotating in and out there because I think your fourth line is probably pretty set between Gergensen's Jose and Opozo. I think that there's some benefits there. I mean, you know what kind of 
two-way presence that you have in Peyton Krebs right now. I think he proved as much last year. And so, again, just wondering how Benson is going to be able, how his game is going to translate at such a young age, I think is something that is absolutely worth considering, especially in the defensive end. But I will say also, relative to other 18-year-olds, for a player who is as skilled as Zach Benson, one of the other calling cards of his game is how responsible he is in his defensive zone. So it makes me wonder a bit, how much do you have to really take that into account? Like, is he going to be out there in this nine game trial? And is is he going to be a a complete liability in his own zone? Or is he going to be able to, you know, keep his head above water, let's say. And in that case, I think that gives you a whole lot more flexibility with how you want to handle the situation. So it seems like there's two reasonable paths with with arguments for and against each where do you land in that argument, Taylor? Well, like you mentioned there, him being potentially uh, underwater in his own zone, that kind of does just make him, what, a regular Sabres forward? Really? Like, that's not uh, anything crazy. But, there, you know, like, there was some discussion on this. Like, if he comes up, do you want to break up the first line? No, not really. Uh, if that's if that's really like what has to happen, I think it, it comes down to it's very hard uh, when you're, I guess, knowing where exactly Benson should play. Because I was kind of turning over my head thinking of the roster. Uh, I think the third line could be really interesting. Uh, the second line, too, obviously, that that's a possibility. But I think. The, I, it's such a hard thing to deal with right now. Just like the first line. So interesting. Cause they, so they play so well together and I think they're kind of perfect for each other. And it's not that you can't move someone up there, but it's like lose Alex Tuck on the first line and could be a disaster defensively, defensively. I mean, they'll still be dangerous as hell. Sure. What about, let me pose this to you. So I think the the thing with Tuck too, that makes me have, even more reservations about moving him onto the second line is the fact that Tuck is a great player at, at both ends of the ice. Like he's, he's a rock solid defensive player in his own zone, very responsible there. And obviously we know what his offensive contributions are. My reservation with moving him to the second line is that even though they play different positions, you want Dylan cousins to be like the center version of Alex Tuck in a way. Like I feel like their styles are, are pretty similar and they give you similar skill sets advantages when they're on the ice what have you and so pairing those two guys together I don't know how much sense that makes necessarily because of the fact that you can kind of that is an example of of spreading your talent out there because again it's two players who are both very effective in their own right and they kind of have a similar profile there but with that being said what of the possibility of doing Benson Thompson Tuck Skinner, Cousins, Paterka for a second line. Benson, Thompson, Tuck, Skinner, Cousins, Paterka? Mm-hmm. Oh, hmm. Wow. That's very interesting. I kind of like that a little bit. And then the third line, Casey Middlestat would kind of get kicked at the third line in that case. Middlestat, centering, Krebs, and Greenway. Hmm. I don't mind that. Mm. Who is scoring on that third line, though? Who's Casey passing the puck? Casey. To? Casey has to be the finisher and he has to shoot more. Yeah, that would have to be the case in that in that case. Who uh Isn't that, that is... what we want though? I mean, it does does hasn't this coaching staff in this front office kind of made it seem as though they want to see if Casey can really carry the load? Yeah, I 
I'm not really maybe maybe I'm not uh being fair there. I just feel like it's more like a, I think he can carry the load on the third line, but I just think like he's uh such a table setter and Krebs kind of is too. So it's all like yeah, uh I agree. is Greenway going to finish? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, it, he'd have to play a lot uh. better than he did last year. And you know, like to your point, Casey is a good shot. He just is very tepid about using it. He's very timid. I don't know why he doesn't shoot like his, we've said that for years, but uh, I guess the point more so is not Casey. It's what, about those first two lines. That's an interesting choice, dropping Skinner down. I wouldn't necessarily mind that. And then you kind of could play the first two lines an equal amount. That's right. not that's not a bad idea. I, I, I wonder how that would kind of fit together. But yeah, it's it's that's worth a shot. Like I said, I mean, it's also like, if you're giving Benson nine games and you're not just committed to sending him down for sure, if you're like, well, we'll see these nine games could really make or break. You could really stay up here all year. I would be hesitant to putting him like with Tage and talk on a first line. Cause then it's just like, of course you look good. Not of course, not like any 18 year old could look good, but like it means a lot less, <laughs> but there's also a chance you look at that and he's significantly better than you thought, or he looks like he actually helps them as much, not as much as they help him, but he's a, a genuine asset for the line. That's still a possibility. It's just harder to tell. Cause it's like, that was one of the best lines of hot in hockey and you're, uh, you're just sticking him on it. So, I mean, on the other hand though, he's, his skill set has just stood out so, so much in these past, uh, just in the short time in the preseason and even sure. in the prospects time here. So it's, it, maybe think- it's just worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think my thing is, like, ultimately, if you don't have to break up that first line, that's great. But I think if you are going to move a guy, Skinner kind of naturally makes the most sense just due to the fact that, obviously, that line clicks. But as we know, Ralph Kruger aside, Jeff Skinner has scored at 5-on-5 consistently throughout his career at a very high clip relative to his peers across the league, not even on the team. So it kind of feels as though he would be the one to naturally translate there, and then you still are able to maintain the chemistry between Tage and Tuck and who knows? I mean, Skinner, I, I think his defensive game, at least last year and, and you know, as of late, maybe like the negative side of it gets a little bit overblown. Uh, I, I think that also could maybe just be due to the fact that like they just have the puck so much that it's not like you have to worry about his defensive game as much considering how good that first line is. But it, it does make me wonder, though. I'm curious to see how J.J. Paterka's game is going to kind of round itself out this year. Part of me wonders, because he has great playmaking ability, he's a good passer. At the same time, I do almost wonder, you know, let's let's get this guy shooting a little bit more here, and, and maybe he develops more of a finishing touch and becomes a, a, a scorer for you as compared to a setup guy. I mean, Dylan Cousins last year, for example, I think he he was a good balance between the two of being a playmaker and then also being able to be a good finisher. So I'm kind of curious to see how Paterka is going to step up, especially in the absence of Quinn, who is a guy that obviously he's he's great in the offensive zone, very creative, very aggressive with the puck on his stick. Does Paterka maybe try and, and take lean into that role a little bit more? I think the other thing with Casey Middlestat, of course, last year, baseline numbers were solid. 15 goals, 44 assists for 59 points in 82 games. Overall, his possession numbers, I want to double check just to make sure, but I believe his possession numbers were relatively solid as well. His Corsi 4 percentage was 51.5. So he's keeping his head above water out there. Like he play is tilting in his direction when he's out on the ice. 
it just really comes back to the shooting thing, though. Taylor Middlestat was he played all 82 games last year. I believe Middlestat was the only player on the team to play all 82 games. And he only took 135 shots last year, which comes out to roughly about 1.6 shots per game. He shot 11%, which is around league average or in the in the ballpark of that. But being able to score, you know, 15 goals on 135 shots, that number needs to go up. Like he needs yeah, to... Yeah, given the who he was playing with especially who he was playing with and i think in addition to that just the shooting talent that's there i don't see any reason why middle stat shouldn't be i would like to see that number be closer to like 175 180 yeah i mean it's it's kind of ridiculous it's it's been so many years now of that i know he had a great year last year especially passing the puck but good lord man shoot yeah <laughs> it's you're good at it it's He's deceptive. Been consistently pretty good at it. Yeah, it's so it's it's yeah, that's absolutely something he has to do. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how this forward group ends up shaking out. But before we start talking about our beloved Jedi starting goaltender, Taylor, do we want to hear a word from our sponsors first? Yeah, sure. So. This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. We're back with another week of college football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping up in all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down five on any of this week's epic matchup to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text OPEN-Y at 467-369. Connecticut help is available for problem gambling at 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner, Gold Nugget Lake, Charles, Louisiana, 21 and over, age will vary by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, so this podcast is also brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. And folks, with Thin Man, we've been hitting on this. We're going to keep hitting on it for a little while. Key points for the upcoming Minky Day. It's Saturday, October 14th, noon to 4 p.m. at the Chandler Street Brewery. That is 166 Chandler Street. You love Minky Boodle. You love all its variants. You love sour beer. You love Thin Man. You got to get there. Tickets are available at thinmanbrewery.com slash eventbrite or via Thin Man's link tree on Instagram. So any of those three locations, the memory.com, Eventbrite, or Instagram. $45 ticket. That includes a built-in $5 donation to the Men Wear Pink campaign that raises money for the American Cancer Society's fight against breast cancer. Your ticket includes exclusive access to the event, a Thin Man glass, a 7-ounce pour of each Minky Boodle variant. Uh, there are four total variants. There'll be live music from Olmstead Dub System and Spooky Steven. A Minky Bloody Mimosa. Sorry, Jesus. Minky Boodle Mimosa Bar from noon to 1 p.m., so get there early. Participating breweries each have one Minky Boodle variant. There's Tripping Animals from Miami, Grimm from Brooklyn, RAR from Cambridge, Atrium from Louisville, Kentucky. 
Of course, we also want to mention their Thin Man's Welcome to Hell series. Now, folks, it's almost Friday. And that is when this launches. Welcome to Hell Miami edition. It's a tap takeover. This is taking place this Friday at Coulter Bay. They've teamed up with Unbranded and Prison Pals, both Miami-based breweries, to release a collab in preparation for this weekend's Bills game. So all fun and games until Sunday morning. It's called Welcome to Hell, 7% Hazy IPA, Galaxy, Cryo Mosaic, and Phantasm. Citrus and tropical fruit notes compounded by Phantasm's aromic and flavor qualities is what they say. That's this Friday at Thin Man Brewery. Check it out, folks. And go Bills, of course. All right, Taylor. And we are back now, and we are ready to talk about starting goaltender Devin Levi. As we talked about at the top of the show there, he has had a very, very exciting start to this preseason here, leading to some very high hopes for the regular season. There is so much resting on this kid's, this kid's shoulders, like undeniably you could probably go as far to say that the the fate of the season is going to really live and die by how good Devin Levi is this year. And by good, I think we should clarify that that means just like being league average. You know, he doesn't need to set the world on fire. We don't need, you know, prime Vasilevsky or prime Hellebuck right now. We just need him to be league average, allow the Sabres team defense to maybe improve a little bit, which is what you hope is going to happen. And then if their scoring can stay at a similar rate as it was last year, relative to the rest of the league, this is the playoff team undeniably. However, as we have talked about, it is a huge ask. Historically speaking, goalies of his age and with his limited professional experience for that matter, do not fare very well at the NHL level in the limited cases that they do happen. But more important than that, they just never really happen in general to begin with because of how unprecedented this is. Now, don't get me wrong. I am very excited by how good Levi has looked so far this year. And I have been unwavering in my belief that I think that this kid is special. I think that we are looking at a perennial all-star goalie that God willing, like if it comes down to it, just with his his abilities, his his fluidness in that, the way that he's able to read the game. This is a guy that potentially we could be talking about one day in the same way that we talk about guys like Sorokin or Hellebuck or or any of the or Shesterkin for that matter, right now. That's obviously assuming that he absolutely hits his peak potential, which would be great. But he seems like a very special player. Now, with that being said, though, it is asking a lot for a kid of his age to potentially have to shoulder a 50-game workload this year when he hasn't played more than 35 games in a season in his career. So I just kind of want to open this up a little bit, get your thoughts on if the goalposts have moved for you with Levi at all, and if you feel as though... I guess if your opinion on it has changed, because I know you previously were in a similar boat to me where it was like they should have done something more this offseason and it could really come back to bite them in the ass, but we'll see what happens. Are you still in that boat, Taylor? Or are you more so feeling confident in Levi being able to handle that workload with a potential, I don't know if you want to call it a backup tandem or what have you, but the, the combo of either UPL or Eric Comrie behind him? So... 
the main thing is, yes, I do. I mean, obviously, I would have preferred if they, even at the very least, brought someone in who would be Levi's backup, who or Levi's one B or one A or whatever, just someone you trust. I think uh, that idea started to get harder and harder to not justify, but it started to become less and less obvious what they should actually do. Like as we got closer to the January for January first, July first, and then. That came and went, and it was just like, oh, shit, everyone just re-signed. Uh, what should they have actually done? Was there actually a move to be made for Hellebuck or Carter Hart or whatever else like that? So, yeah, that was – it's tough, but it's like – it's it's also uh, – there wasn't exactly a an easy solution. So I think a couple things with that, Brian. First of all, watched him last night against the the Bruins. Are the Bruins defending champions? I You know, I didn't actually – I stopped watching uh, in mid-April. I thought, wow, these guys are so good. 65 wins. No way they don't win. The you cup. were just in your premier league mindset. That's all regular season yeah. champions. Oh, that's right. They have a playoffs. Well, sure. They went very far. If not one anyway, Levi was awesome in that game. Uh, he, it, it, the Sabres did a pretty good job for the most part, but there was a couple flurries where the Bruins had a bunch of chances and he looked great. Even Jack Edwards, uh, uh, he seemed to even, have the uh your boy impressed yeah my your dude, boy jack, jack edwards, edwards who inexplicably now talks like the pokemon Slowpoke. uh <laughs> i don't know what's going on there but it, it was a concern every sabers fan seemed concerned or annoyed and every bruins fan on twitter is like yeah just kind of how it is now i'm bewildered by that i can't imagine less they, they won 65 games with a guy talking like that that's the most every highlight you got to go back to in this memorable season if you do given how the season ended, you're like, oh man, remember that? It's just him being like, Middlestat gets it up, turnover, is what the hell was that? Anyway, getting back to what I was saying, Levi looked great, and we we necessarily have to have such a small sample size with him, because it because there is one. Like, even if you go back to his college days, it's still, you wouldn't judge an NHL goalie off of how many games he's played between college world juniors and the pros it's, it's still a really small sample but look at how impressive it is look at him at world juniors a couple of years ago incredible it's basically when the sabers traded for him i know he kind of got screwed by COVID. everyone did at that age group but you have the world juniors and then he's the best goal in the ncaa for two years in a row and then he comes to buffalo last year and he looks the part yeah, I'd say six of his seven starts that he made, he looked really good. And frankly, he was taking on a decent workload at that rate. And then the way he's looked just in every time he stepped on the ice, and this is just another example. So every time he steps on the ice, I believe a little, a little bit more. And frankly, everything I hear from him, I believe a little bit more. He's just, he's a, he's a very confident guy. He's very weird, but it's, he has a good kind of goalie confidence. Where it's weird, yeah, but it's not like Jordan Bennington flying off the handle, jackass weird. It's like, no, I kneel right here during TV timeouts and get centered. I do this and that, all my whole routine. And then, you know, they get asked uh, this, this weird social media stuff they do, I assume is geared towards TikTok. All the Sabres players get asked, if you had to dig a hole, how dig of a hole could you deep? How how deep of a hole could you dig? Sorry. And he just says he could dig to the center of the earth or something crazy like that. Yeah. Like everyone else is like, I don't know, like 10 feet. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, I, I could I could dig right through the earth. I could make the earth look like a cartoon apple with a little worm in it. Like, I love that kind of confidence. So Same. it's just it's it it's uh it's great. It's great to see how he's looked so far. It's hard to have faith that it's going to be a great 
like, I don't know, 50 starts from him. That's crazy. But like you said, just be league average. That'd be great. You could be league average and UPL and Comrie could combine to be like 899. <laughs> Sabres would be in really good shape, seemingly. The other thing, though, I think you will definitely agree with this. Man, are we not up against a lot of good goalie competition? Yeah. I mean, league-wide, not even just the East, not even just the Atlantic. Folks, the Senators, the contract they gave out, that was one of our options if we wanted to make a deal. Corpusalo, right? Mm-hmm. Would you felt good about that? No. If you were uh, a Detroit fan, do you feel good about the Troyon Vili Husso, Alex Lyon, and James Reimer? If you're Montreal, do you even feel? No, definitely not to Montreal. Yeah, it, even Florida, who I think is probably maybe still better overall. Well, Bavrovsky wasn't good last year. Well, I got to say, last year doesn't look like an outlier. And it looks like an outlier two years ago. And Spencer Knight's back, which is great. And hopefully he's better. I, you don't you don't want to see him uh, not be able to recover. Like I believe he said he was dealing with OCD. And that's why he was in the player's assistance program. So, you know, wish for the best for him. But he hasn't been like any kind of lights out goalie. So Florida's kind of sent that same area right there like they they can't be too confident and then it's like toronto even toronto's better overall than the sabers probably how confident should they be in their goaltending and samson off and god who even is their backup he was fine is, is, is marty jones baby marty jones oh, no. is, is he the backup or the third <laughs> it should probably just be jo- joseph wall right i don't know all right oh good luck Samsonov wasn't try. bad last year but the the capitals the offseason prior were just like all right you can get the hell out of here for all we care. So, hey, Samsonov was the guy that I wanted to go after last year when he became available. I mean, if you want me to ask, like, would I feel more comfortable like a, with a, a Samsonov Levi tandem? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, they should have signed him last year. Missed opportunity. Would have been nice. I don't know. Is there's probably like we went over this recently, but I think there's like twelve good goalies in the whole league at the moment. But. Fair assessment. I mean, I it, it's limited, like legitimately, like really, really good ones. Uh, yeah, that's that's I think a fair assessment for sure. Yeah, I would also just say that they that really is not limited to us. Like I mentioned, that, I just going over the Atlantic teams, but New Jersey, you can't feel too confident if you're them. Uh, Carolina should feel pretty good, even their goal is a little older on that side. The, the Rangers obviously feel great, but it's like oh, the Penguins signed Tristan Jari to five years. He's all right. I would have taken him, but like for five years, probably not. No. Uh, and then if, even you get in the West, like teams do not have to worry about it all unless, you know, uh, except for one road trip and on the super, super off chance, the Sabres make the Stanley cup, like LA and Edmonton <laughs> have played each other in the playoffs. I think both of the last two years, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, they could be the two, three again, so they can meet in the playoffs again. Who will be the starting goalies for that series? Stuart Skinner looked pretty good last year. So maybe it's Stuart Skinner versus... I don't know. Cam Talbot, right? Isn't he? Didn't they, he sign with LA? Yeah, but is he? He or he'll probably Phoenix be the starter. Copley? Well, if they make it to the playoffs, will he still be? The, will he still be the starter? Will it be Phoenix Copley? Will it be like someone else? God, who knows? I'm not even giving up on the idea. What? If, what if they make a move for Hollybuck? I, I still like if, if Winnipeg is flaunt is just going to be you know circling the drain this this season and isn't going to be good. They they'd be literally insane to not trade Holly Buck at the deadline, right? Absolutely. And I got to say this, both teams would be insane to not make that move. I could not agree more. I think 
<clears throat> if you want me to be completely honest, I think if you were to see the Kings trade for Connor Hallibuck, they would be my team coming out of the West. Their forward group is so good. We're going to get to this. I don't know which episode it is. We're recording it very soon, but we're recording it ahead of time. So maybe we save this. Here's my take on the West so far. It stinks. The West is super bad. And this, I'm, I'm not going to get too much into it, like I said, because we're doing more of a league-wide episode soon. We're probably recording tomorrow, and you'll hear it, uh, I don't know, Yeah, we should give so. a heads up. So we should give a heads up to everybody on that, too. Obviously, if there's any breaking news that happens or anything like that, we'll do like an emergency episode or something. But Taylor is actually going to be heading out of the country for a couple of weeks coming up. So we are going to be recording the first four episodes of season five coming up. We're going to have our debut, which we'll get to in a minute and talking about that. We're going to be doing our five Sabres predictions each, which we do every year. Then the next episode will be our five league wide predictions every year. That along with our league-wide standings predictions. And then we are going to have our final episode ahead of the new season kicking off is going to be our full Sabre season preview as well. So what we're looking forward to yeah. this year and talking through just how we think this year is going to go. Um, so we have some really exciting stuff coming up, but that's just your general schedule for the next two weeks of the podcast for what it's worth, everybody. So do we want to tell people now who's going to be on Monday? I think we should. Guys, we are... And I'm so sad. I want to preface this by saying I'm indescribably bummed that you are not going to be able to record this because we have to record this this weekend just due to scheduling and whatnot. And Taylor is leaving on Friday. But folks, the season five premiere of Straight Up Sabres is going to be featuring special guest Brian Duff on the pod. Duff man. Duffer, baby. We are so excited. Brian Duff. Of course, hosting the Sabres pregame show, intermission reports. You guys know him, you love him. Him and Marty are are one of the best tandems in, in Buffalo sports broadcasting right now. We are very, very excited to welcome him to the podcast for our season five premiere. And that episode, folks, is going to be dropping on Monday. Taylor, what are your thoughts on finally getting the man himself, Brian Duff, on the pod? It's great, yeah. Excited to hear what happens. It's going to be cool, actually, from my perspective, because it's just going to be like me listening to a podcast. Because wow. I, I'm not going to have any idea what was said before. You know, sometimes I go back and listen to the pod and I'm like, oh, I remember that. I remember I said that. That was a great point, Taylor. But this time, yeah, it's going to be really cool like to download that and, and listen to see what he has to say. And it'll, it'll be very interesting. And also, uh, you only get to know that ahead of time if you are listening right now. We're not going to put it on social media or anything. Mm -mm. Just for just for the real fans and stick around to the end of the podcast. Yeah. Shout out to everybody who who has made it thus far. We very much appreciate it. But folks... That's the thing here. You you better start listening to these episodes all the way through. I think people by and large do, but like Sabres hockey is here, buddy. And it is, yep. it's going to be a very exciting year. I'm, <laughs> I'm real jacked up right now. Like this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got your Italian voice going yeah. right there. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, exactly. See, it's, it's coming out of me because of how excited I am. I'm going to go just full blown Donnie meatballs. That's right. All right. And folks, we got to record so much more stuff. So <laughs> you'll hear well, from us soon. Beautiful. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and make sure you're following both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media. 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, make sure you're either following or subscribe to us and leave us a nice little rating or review as we would very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors that we just love oh so dearly in the form of DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you're using promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And of course, Thin Man Brewery, we got Minky Day on the way. Tons of exciting stuff is going to be happening with Thin Man coming up. So make sure you are staying tuned, checking out their website and following them on social media. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody, our season five premiere. But in the meantime, have a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres.